Welcome, you're listening to Break the Cycles. My name is Yun. And it's your boy Sal. We're motorcycle enthusiasts, sharing with you our experiences on the road, stories of our motorcycle travels, and the lessons we've learned along the way. Welcome to Break the Cycle. My name is Yun. I am here with my co-host Sal the Man. And we are joined today by Chris. Chris is an IT support technician with a mechanical engineering degree. He has seven years of riding experience, and he just finished the Trans-American Trail during the pandemic. I know Chris quite a few years back. We've been friends for a while now. I'll let Chris kind of introduce himself and then uh, talk about his Trans-American trip. Hi, everyone. I'm Chris. I lead the Trans-America Trail in t- July of 2020. My buddy and I both took our Suzuki DR650s across the country from South Carolina to Oregon in four weeks and then a week to get back home. Can you tell everybody that don't know what the Trans-American Trail is? The Trans-American Trail is basically a route from coast to coast. It's mostly off-road. It tries to stay on dirt roads and power line maintained roads, not pavement as much as possible, and certainly avoids highways entirely. It's about 5,000 miles of, of trail and roads. You usually complete them on dual sport motorcycles that are off-road capable but also have license plates. We brought all our camping equipment with us and we spent some nights in hotels and, and other accommodations and then other nights we um, camped. So it was about 50-50. How long was your trip? It was uh, five weeks total. So four weeks to get across the country on our motorcycles and then five, uh, an extra week just to get back. I think it only took us a few days to get back. Did you ride all the way back? No, we, uh, I, I bought a truck out there. Oh, damn. Yeah, and we loaded the bike into the back of the truck and drove that back home. Yeah, it was kind of like a dream trip. <laughs> Pretty baller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ride, the, ride the bike out there and then buy a truck and then just drive it back. Yeah, we were, we were thinking of different ways. Uh, you know, we were brainstorming how we could get the bikes back because we were both kind of on the same page of uh, not having the time to do the trail on the way back and not wanting to blast down the highway, playing with the ideas of either shipping them back or, you know, renting a trailer or a U-Haul or, you know, riding them back, you know, just dealing with it. But came up with the idea along the way of just buying a truck and I had been wanting to buy a truck for a while, so I did. <laughs> what kind of truck did you get? Uh, Chevy Colorado. 2021. Wow, you got a brand new truck. Damn. Yep. <laughs> I should I should go traveling with you, man. Yeah. I mean, it was easiest that way because you know I didn't want to deal with the hassle of buying a, a used car and having to get tags and all that. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So you mentioned that you did uh, camping and stay in hotels. Is is there like a ratio of how many days you camp before you hit a hotel? That's a good question. I'd say uh, we would get tired of camping after a few days in a row. So I'd say after two to three days of camping, we would usually hit up a hotel. Then sometimes we hit up a hotel, you know, twice in a, in a row. So it really depended on the situation and the weather. And yeah, did you hit any like inclement weather where like it's downpouring on you guys when you're when you guys on the trail or camping? Uh, we were really lucky. Um, there was once where where we had some pretty bad downpour and we were forced off the trail the trail became like 
really slippery mud and the bikes would just not stay up no matter what. But other than that one time, we didn't really have to stop for, for weather at all. Even better, it hardly rained. That That is very lucky. That's the best, man. I remember when I did my trip out west, it only rained one day, and I think that was the day I was coming home. So it was really just roll the dice in regards to weather. A lot of people don't understand. Like it really is rolling the dice, especially when you go out west with the with the weather. Like it, it just it can completely transform your trip to be like completely enjoyable, unbelievably picturesque to uh, complete total nightmare, and then can't get your bike upright because it's like a hot mess, you know. Yeah, man. When it's raining out, honestly, I would either check into a hotel or I would literally just not drive that day because I have ridden in the rain before and it's miserable. Well, granted, I didn't have proper rain gear, so I was kind of like a wet sponge afterwards. Well, we definitely had uh, proper rain gear and stuff. So when it did rain on us, we, we kind of just kept going through it. And that's the other cool thing about when you're just on the move constantly, um, as long as you just keep moving probably the rain's gonna stop it i mean i know yeah you know you can't out, outrun weather <clears throat> the more you move the more likely eventually the rain's gonna stop yeah it does happen you know i've ridden a lot of the uh the eastern side for the trans-american trail and then i also did some myself over in uh colorado and utah just sections of it um i know that there's like a huge contrast i i, I find the, the 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 ones over the e- the east coast are just not as nearly ex- exciting as like Utah and Colorado and, and so on and so forth. Of course. Uh, did, did you, did you find the same? Yeah, definitely. Um, on the whole South Carolina portion, you know, the first portion of the trail is pretty much like on the road on pavement. Uh, there's a couple of short little bits of, of uh, gravel trails and stuff, but it was pretty much on the pavement. And then Tennessee even still had a good bit of pavement, but that's where you start to see lots of trails and then that part, you know, the Appalachia part of uh, the beginning was, was pretty exciting. Um, nothing too crazy in terms of off-roading, but just really good scenery, trees everywhere, and uh, it's green everywhere. Uh, and then it kind of flattens out in, you know, in the middle of the country, Oklahoma and whatnot. It, it gets a little bit boring, but it, it's still interesting because it's a different landscape. And then it gets really interesting once you hit the Rockies and Colorado and, and all that, um, Utah and, and all the uh, canyons and <clears throat> interesting features and stuff. Yeah, that was definitely the most interesting and, and probably the most challenging off-road out west there. Yeah, I heard the same uh, when I was planning my trip west. I really wanted to do cross-country again because it is an accomplishment in itself to go coast to coast because America is fairly large. But in talking to my friend Max, who did the Trans-American Trail as well, he said you might as well just skip most of the middle of America and just go straight to Colorado. And granted, we live on the East Coast, and we've already seen Tennessee and the surrounding areas. So instead of buying a truck, I jumped into my used Volkswagen Jetta and uh, drove out west. So so uh we left on july 3rd as the night before the 4th of july and we we got to south carolina we stayed in a hotel just to kind of freshen up and get fully ready for the trail left on the 4th of july from from south carolina cape hatteras 
And that was kind of neat because we got to ride ferries. We got to ride our, our motorcycles on ferries across uh, a few different um, waterways until we got to the mainland. So we got to see uh, all the, the neat lighthouses and stuff out there. Just an interesting ride. At the first gas stop on our way out there, my, my partner noticed my bike was on fire, which was... Oh my gosh. Like actually on fire? <laughs> well, it was smoking. So uh, what happened is my, my giant loop uh, bag, which, which is kind of like pannier bags and a top bag mixed into one, was pushing on my side panels, pushing my side panel into my exhaust and melting the plastic. Um, so fortunately, he saw this right from the get-go and... and I was able to fix it there at the gas station. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, that was the, the first surprise. You didn't burn the bag, did you? No. You just burned, you just burned <laughs> the plastic on the on the bike. Yeah, and it just melted the plastic. It, you know, fortunately, it didn't go all the way through. But then we get to South Carolina and we start our trip. First night was kind of a, a terrible camping spot, basically. We, we were right on the water and kind of in a swamp. And there was just a whole lot of mosquitoes. There was fireworks, which was neat. So nice. We were kind of able to watch the Fourth of July fireworks. It wasn't long before we were just tucked into our tents and trying to hide from the mosquitoes and watching the fireworks from inside our tents. <laughs> and it was also just insanely hot and humid, and I couldn't even sleep until about two in the morning or so, and it kind of cooled off a little bit. Then the next day, we we get to the mainland, and everything's hunky dory from then on. It was mostly pavement all through South Carolina. It was interesting finding camping spots on, on the trail because uh, for the most part, we kind of just would see something and think it was a good spot and, and pull over and camp there. You know, we didn't look for necessarily designated camping areas or any, anything like that. Like we were right. usually on, you know, a back dirt road where we could get away with that and nobody would usually care. So did you have anybody pass by while you were camping or like when you're in your tent and stuff? Anybody ride by or? Yeah, sometimes we would see traffic, but nobody ever bothered us um, that I can remember. And we used our judgment too. Like we wouldn't, we would try not to camp on people's property and whatnot. And, you know, we'd go a fair That's a good idea. Off, off the trail. You never used any applications uh, to find camping spots. I used, uh, what was the one that Overlander? Right? I Overlander. Yeah, I Overlander. I Overlander. Yeah, that's a fantastic app. Um, there are a lot of primitive locations on there. People have set up uh, campfire sites, but a lot of those places are very scenic. And that app, uh, people have pin drop locations and they are like really detailed. Like there's cell phone signal here. There are some really scenic places on there. So, did you have any camping experience beforehand? Uh, yeah. I mean, I grew up camping in, in Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, and. Oh, shoot. Okay. Then you were, you were well-versed with what you were going to do. Yeah, I suppose I was. Um, I definitely had to get used to the whole micro-camping uh, idea that you get with dual sporting, where uh, you know you, you get everything, all your equipment is light and small as possible, so you're not taking up too much room. Did you get any new stuff? Because I remember I went to REI with... Yeah, and he was lacing me up for uh, almost around the world stuff. He's like, "Yo, you got to get this hammer, this titanium hammer." <laughs> I'm like, bro, like, what the hell? I'm dropping like thirty bucks on this like cheap, dingy thing. And then uh, later on, I verse, uh, I realized like, 
okay, I guess I need to drop like thirty dollars on a hammer. <laughs> this is <laughs> this yeah, is pretty um, useful. <clears throat> I definitely didn't go too cheap on my stuff. I, I'd say I did buy quite a bit of new stuff. Um, that said, after having done it, I don't, I don't think that was necessary. Um, to get the best of the best of everything, the coolest, smallest tent, and and the this the lightest chair, you know, fold up chair and all that. I, I'd say it's probably not necessary to go that extra step, but I was, you know, it was the trip of a lifetime. I decided to splurge a little bit. On the trail, we did find ourselves having to drag our bikes and equipment under logs and stuff um, to continue on, on the trail. Uh, you know, wow. logs, logs that had fallen that were too short to get under or too high to, to jump over, we would have to sometimes pull our equipment off of the bikes and kind of put the bike on its side and, and help each other shimmy our bikes under. That happened at least three or four times along the trail. Um, you didn't just wheelie over these logs? <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite there yet, especially with all that equipment on our, on our bikes. Uh, I'll never be there. I'm Chris, just joking. you literally could have just told us. You literally could have just told us, yeah, we had to wheelie over these logs and we wouldn't have verified it. <laughs> Well, I'm sure we did wheelie over a couple of logs, but nothing. Um... There you go. Jeez, what a <laughs> badass man! I wish I was. I wish I was as talented as you guys. I'd be um... dragging my bike under the logs. Yeah, I, I did it a few times too. It, it's kind of like, did you need two people to do that? Oh yeah. Or is it well dragging them? You could. Some of them you could probably get it done by yourself, but it you know it would take a lot of energy and time um it definitely it, it was hard sometimes for the both of us to get our bikes on the other so i would say definitely the help helped mm. anyways another thing we had to do along the way a couple times was uh, oil changes i believe we changed our oil and tires no oil twice along the trail and our tires once um why did you have to change your oil twice? How many miles is it? 5,000? 5,000 miles and... or five, oh, Just over 5,000. And the DR... You have to change it, to, the you to change it twice? 2,500-mile uh, service. Oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe that's why my bearings went bad on my engine. <laughs> <laughs> I always see that as the recommended service interval. I'm like, ah, engine's still running. There's oil in there. I'm sure it'll run some more. Oh, yeah. I mean... You don't you don't have to do it exactly how the manual says, but I usually do. Plus, I mean, but and okay, so I would say you could probably get away with one oil change. I wouldn't do the whole thing on one, um, on one batch of oil though. I, I would say you should at least change it once. So, so how did you do your oil change? You, you rode out to an auto parts store, changed the oil, and then what? Well, um, the first time we we would stop, we did stop at an auto parts store and get our stuff we needed but we actually did the oil change at uh, a hotel in actually helena arkansas and right on the mississippi river that is where we decided to do our first oil change um, and we just kind of went there's this dirt or gravel parking lot out back of the, ho the motel um, we got one of those catering dishes like uh, one of those aluminum catering dishes to use as an oil pan <clears throat> and just drained our bikes and, and changed it right there, right there in the, in the parking lot. 
Nobody gave us any trouble. Um, what do you do with the used oil? He he deposited it in an oil appropriate location, right? No, yes, we did. No, seriously. Uh, <laughs> we poured it back into the containers we got it in and uh, brought it to Dodison, probably where we got our filters. And, you know, they have an oil disposal place there. So the, okay. the second time we did it, we changed our oil. We actually did it in the audit, in, or it was, was it AutoZone or. Yeah, I think it was the parking lot. We just rolled up into the parking lot and asked them if we could go out back and change our oil, and they had a pan for us and everything. Um, oh, they gave oh, you a clutch. pan? Yeah, they would have wow. given us tools too, but we had our own. So, oh, that's lucky. When I did my <laughs> when I did my cross country trip, they forced me to buy their three dollar pan. Oh, that's messed and up. Oh, and then I gave, <laughs> and it was so messed up. And then I gave it back to them. I was like, I don't need it, it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can't bring it with me. Exactly. They, those, those people were not cool. I don't remember where I was. I was I was with Yerma, and well, we both had to buy a pan, and then they give the oil back to them after we used it. Well, <laughs> this probably explains why they had an oil pan and why they were so used to this was because the second time we changed our oil was in Moab, Utah, which is like oh, off-waters yeah, yeah. paradise. <laughs> They're probably used to people coming through there. Uh, that that makes sense. That makes sense because I, I think <clears throat> I think we were a little bit out in the middle of nowhere, and they were like, mm, "We don't have oil pans sitting around for you." <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense. It it was in the Moab, Alpha yeah. Mecca. Yeah, yeah. So um, another thing I wanted to share about the tat that was really interesting was the uh, the tat shack. Um, you guys might have heard of this. It's it's basically a shack that somebody owns that they've dedicated it to being like a rest stop for people that are on the Trans America Trail. It's in Arkansas, I believe. Um, and it's just this little like trailer home kind of that has power, AC, heat, um, a fridge, a uh, kitchen, full kitchen, and just a lot of cool like motorcycle paraphernalia and, and crap on the walls and just a really neat little place. And, and we just kind of just rolled up in there and they, they give you a code on the Facebook page or something, but it was it was open when we, when we got there. It's free? Um, yeah. Uh, we they did have like a donation box which we we left a donation and I also left a couple beers for the next people who came through because I drank somebody's nice. beer that left a beer for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was a great little spot and it was kind of funny because I remember we were so happy. This is in the middle of the summer in Arkansas and it's so hot. We were so happy to have this AC and everything, and then we we pushed our luck a little too far. There was two AC units in the in the place. We turn the second one on and all the power goes out. <laughs> and we were like walking around the house looking for um, the fuse box or whatever we could find. Uh, and we didn't want to like post anything on the Facebook page because we didn't want people to think we broke, broke the place. Um, but then fortunately, after we gave up, like a few hours later, while we were trying to sleep, it came back on. So we, we were able to sleep with AC, which was great. Um, so that was a really fun little experience. We, we didn't meet anybody there this time. There wasn't that many people on the tat during the uh, pandemic, but it would have been a cool spot to meet some people too. Yeah, that sounds pretty rad. That's awesome yeah. that there's a I community yeah, that provides yeah. that shelter. Yeah, and there was more. There was more. We only stayed at that one, but we saw a couple more, and I've heard of a couple more of shacks like that where people do that kind of thing. Oh really? So this is like 
there's like multiple of these yeah and well i think one of them that i heard of was more focused on being a maintenance spot where you can stop and work on your bike um but yeah i've definitely heard of a couple of these oh wow that's very interesting i know that like you're doing like off-roading there's a lot of like i mean dropping your bike i mean i wouldn't even call them crashes but you you drop your bike very often in general just doing Mm off-roading and um have you have any like did did you guys have any have like serious crashes on the on the trail um yeah kind of actually that, that leads right into where where i'm at and chronologically in the story um coming into colorado uh was was probably the first and only somewhat major injury that either of us had uh and it was me i hit a mud spot and kind of high-sided the bike flipped over and I went over and I, I hurt my, my left foot really bad. And fortunately we were, we were close to town and everything. So I was able to just, you know, get back on and, uh, you know, limp back onto the bike and get into town. And it was a nice little town to take a break to. And that's, that was our tire change point. So at, in that time we took two days, two nights, just to kind of relax and get caught up and give my foot some time to uh, to heal up. When it first when this crash first happened, I was a little worried that I wouldn't be able to finish the trip, honestly, because uh, it was pretty painful, and I didn't know if I broke something or what. But you know, the end of the first day, I was I was pretty confident that I was going to be sore and then heal up and be fine. So, and that's pretty much what happened. Um, and it was a cool town to be taking a break in too because it was uh you know colorado so it's a you know they have medical or you know recreational marijuana there which is kind of fun and this hotel we stayed at had a, a cheech and chong themed room which was the only room they had left which is kind of neat so we got this cheech and chong themed room that had all cheech and chong stuff like like wait what, um, what's what's cheech and chong what it's an old 60s like comedians uh, right yeah from the 60s okay. and they're all about like smoking weed all the time and stuff uh, like hippies i don't know perfect room yeah it was, it was a pretty funny room like like for instance the uh the posts on the table were like painted as joints <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the first thing these people said when they got our room were like you can't smoke cigarettes in the room you can smoke weed in the room or anywhere on the property how does that work people are used to like it's a recreational town so people come from other states and everything just to stay at this town and, and indulge um so there's so that, i'm sure hmm? sure you That's indulged on this as well oh yeah yeah definitely uh, medicinally for my foot. <laughs> <laughs> for your foot, of course. Yeah, for this my foot. Is, yeah. <laughs> but besides that, this, it was, oh, it was just a charming town in general. Just a nice mountain town. Um, and it was that really... before or after you smoked? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but there was this reputable uh, mechanic in the town that people on the Facebook page and stuff had had recommended. What was it called? Um, Jeez, I can't remember the name of the place. Anyways, uh, they, they we decided to get our tires changed there, or I did. Um, so that was our first and only tire change during the trip. 
they had tires for our bikes. You know, they're used to people coming through on the tat. Um, and, and they did it for a decent price, too. Got my bike fixed up from the little damage that it had from my spill. Um, but interestingly enough, David didn't get his bike's tires changed there. He, he wanted to be creative. And he wanted to change his tire out in the wilderness. Just to say he did and kind of have the practice. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he put his tire, he like straps his tire onto, you know, his stuff on, on the back of the bike. And we ended up doing it the next day while camping, which was fun. Um, is that is like a euphemism for not fun or <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I was definitely a little annoyed with him because I knew I was going to end up having to, to help him out. And, but I mean, it was also a learning experience and, and I, you know, I'm kind of, my, my, my own confidence is boosted a little bit knowing that, you know, it can be done. You can change a tire out in the middle of nowhere. So, I mean, fortunately the tire change did go smoothly. The wilderness tire change did go smoothly, but the next day we ended up in a tight spot. Um, probably the most exciting and terrifying and notable time of the entire trip. It was in Colorado shortly after Trinidad. We were we were taking um, a hard route on on the trail. So with the, the Transamerica Trail that we were on, there's the main trail, which was in blue. And then there was some offshoot trails, which were in other colors, green or red. And they were you know, either, either bypasses to, make, to be easier or faster or harder passes for you know people who want to challenge. And up until Colorado, we had been doing pretty much all the red options with no problem. Um, then we get to this one, and it, it definitely was a problem because <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were in the desert. Um, at the top of this mountain we were at, there was trees and stuff, so it wasn't all that deserty up there. But by the time we got to the side of this mountain, it, it was all completely dry. Not a, not a single bit of water. And we were coming down the side of this mountain and it was like, it was basically a trail that was designed for only hiking, horseback riding, or like mountain bikes or very small dirt bikes, maybe. Like this trail we were on had super tight switchbacks um, that our bikes couldn't even turn around. We had to literally get off the bike and kind of pick up the, the rear wheel to scoot it around these switchbacks each time we would come around a corner. Um, and then of course on, on either side is either a cliff going up or a cliff going down. So, and it's this really skinny, thin trail where it, like it was easy to get your foot caught, you know, on something. And uh, it was just, it was, it was dangerous. And, um, Anyways, we it sounds our, terrifying, dude. Yeah, it was, and we were taking our time getting down with these fully loaded bikes. Um, and then to compound this situation, I had a slow leak on my rear rear wheel tire, which I had just bumped up before we got into this conundrum. Um, so that was kind of demoralizing from the beginning. Then uh, mm, my buddy's yeah. bike, his battery dies during all this. And, and, and you're thinking well we're going down the mountain so that's fine right well not really because sometimes these switchbacks end up going up a little bit and with a with a loaded bike you know even flat is 
hard to push. So, so yeah, we, that was trouble. Uh, my, my tire lasted that day, fortunately, but his, his battery dying pretty much was like what made us realize we have to get down off this mountain. Oh, and, and we also had run out of water. So that was the biggest issue. Uh, thought we were going to be fine. No problem. But then dealing with all these problems, like inspecting his battery situation and, and all this stuff in the, in the middle midday heat, uh, was just really exhausting getting off the bike to, to turn it around these switchbacks and just the whole thing took a lot of energy and, and we needed water. So we both ran out of water, his bike, um, battery went dead. Then he drops it off a cliff, which is, which is, it only, <laughs> it only fell, it only fell like, say like 10 feet or so. And we were we, only 10 feet. Okay. Only 10 feet. We were able to get it back up. That's so loud, dude. How are you getting, how did you get it back up? Wait, wait, how did he drop it off the cliff to begin with? You know, I, I don't know to this day. The second drop, I understand. The first one, <laughs> the first one I have no idea. <laughs> um, were, were you in the I, front? Were you in front of him or behind him? Uh, I was behind him, I believe. Yeah, because I do think I saw him go over, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Because uh, he just kind of flew over, like. And and of course, the bike fell. He he fell one further. Second, than he the was bike. there. The second he went. Yeah, yeah, no, it was weird. Um. And of course, my first reaction is like, "Oh my god, my friend's gonna die!" <laughs> like, fortunately, it wasn't. It wasn't like a sheer cliff. It was like a pretty steep hill, but like not a sheer cliff. And a, and a tree or something caught both him and his bike. Um, and then we were able to kind of shimmy his bike back up the side of this mountain using paracord, by the way, which was really interesting. We we brought we both brought some wow. paracord just to because you know for whatever use and it came in handy for that um we would lift up one side of his bike you know like the rear tire a ways and then we would tighten the paracord the paracord was like wrapped three or four times obviously because once wouldn't be enough to hold the weight of the bike but um we would kind of push up one end of the bike and then tighten the paracord and then push up the other end and kind of eventually got his bike up but anyways we ran out of water and his bike was dead. We knew that we weren't getting down that day. So we kind of just abandoned the motorcycles and our equipment and hiked down to the bottom of this, this mountain looking for water, really. Um, and at that same time, we kind of both decided to call 911 and uh, try to get some, some help coming our way, which was interesting because they got the wrong coordinates. There was like they misheard us or something. We were looking at our GPSs, so we knew we had the right coordinates. They misheard us, and they were like on another whole, another part of Colorado State, looking for us, which is funny. Oh my gosh! But we got to the end of this uh, trail, which was at kind of like a, a real dirt road. We could tell was there was some traffic on it, and we see this for, U.S. Forest Service guy driving by, and we're like, "Oh, that must be our help." And he keeps driving past us. And I'm like, no, what are you doing? Like, we're right here. And it turns out he was not there to help us at all. But, you know, he could tell that we needed help. So he stopped. And, and he had a cooler with some ice cold Gatorade and water, which was like the best drink I've ever had in my life, probably. <laughs> and um, 
and then you know he was like do y'all need help and we're like well we're supposed to have help on the way so kind of just let him go and oh my goodness sure enough, oh man yeah it was it was not too much longer before our actual help showed up and they explained you know we were we were probably waiting for four or five hours um oh wow i can't remember uh it'd be a nighttime by then right you were like it was getting dark but was it just like a trooper in a in a truck or what yeah yeah it was like a i guess it was a state trooper in uh in an suv and he was really friendly he was this british guy officer biggins um and he explained the whole <laughs> mix up with the coordinates and everything and i was just like dude i don't give a shit like i'm just happy here and we're on our way back and not dead right now <laughs> and he he found our whole story so funny and interesting and um <laughs> he's he not was, the only one dude yeah. <laughs> so he gave us a ride back to town and we stayed in in town that night we found help on the facebook group somebody who actually lives in the same town on the on the transamerica trail facebook page offered us help the next morning to get back to the bikes because we had left them on the side of this mountain all night like and and my thinking was just like if anybody's gonna get up there on their horse or their little mountain bike or whatever and they're gonna go all the way up that trail and they, and they want to steal my shit they can do that that's fine <laughs> <laughs> if really they can get it back <laughs> if they can get it back down the mountain <laughs> yeah, exactly. they earned it <laughs> so yeah we left all our stuff up there and i was kind of like worried i was like what if what if a horse comes down here and my bike's like black in the path what's the person gonna do and i was just anyways i don't think any of that happened fortunately so um yeah, we got back the next day with our with our friend's help, um, and we had to hike up the mountain with this new battery. We got a new battery. Uh, install his battery in his bike. Then we dismounted our bikes entirely because we had seen how treacherous the rest of the trail was, and we were just like, no way we're going to like try and wrestle all this stuff in one go. So we took all our crap off the bikes, hiked that down, then we went back to the bikes and took the bikes, you know, bare bones with no luggage on them and and made it. And everything was fine, hunky-dory. Um, and we had plenty of water this time. So then we started, that, that was pretty much an all-day ordeal. Because we had to hike up the mountain, I think, three times. We went up the first time to get our stuff, up again to get the bikes. And then in between there, there was a hike to like get tools or something i can't remember why but yeah there's a lot of going up and down this desert mountain and um it was exhausting so that was a, a whole day just recovering the bikes and boy were we glad to have them back at the hotel that night <laughs> i bet dude, i can imagine <laughs> this sounds rough as hell mm-hmm. that sounds terrible dude yeah so I'm that was, the, that was the worst that. part of the whole trip though so Oh, well, there was the, the mountain passes, which were beautiful. Right. Uh, notable scenes. Um, which ones did you do? We did Imogene and Engineer and another one I can't remember the name of. Those were the three major like mountain passes we did. And they're just so fun because they're these pretty decently maintained trails. I mean, they're really rocky. So you got to yeah. be ready for that. that. That was definitely 
tough being rocky and going pretty steep uphill for a long time burn, burn out your clutch and stuff um but other than that you know there was no mud to deal with or anything and the scenery yeah. was just great it's just so interesting going up these mountains because the scenery is just changing so quickly you know we're having a great time and everything everything's going well but then in oregon there's some major hill climbs i can say on, on our uh-huh. and they would just seem to be endless they would just go like on and on and on and on and on and my so anyways my clutch burns out because of all this you know oh, this, geez. a stock dr650 um has kind of tall gearing so and that first gear was never slow enough for me on on this difficult terrain so i had to clutch up a lot throughout the entire trip and that's probably why you know my clutch went out but yeah my clutch was starting to slip i barely made it to the top of this hill where it started slipping and then from then on i just kind of had to like be very careful i even had to get off the bike a couple of times and, and walk it up the steep parts um so at this point i think we were in the in the final 100 miles or so of the trail and you know when my clutch started going out and we were just trying to get as far as possible staying off road anyways we got to the point that day where we were just like we're gonna finish this whole trail like we don't care what time we get in 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 the morning it could be 4 a.m when we finish whatever we're just gonna keep riding um because we were just determined anyways we get to this this one trail where there was it was blocked off for construction or road maintenance or who knows what there's this you know big old gate blocking the, the the road so cars and trucks can't get through and that's usually never a problem for dual sport motorcycles you can kind of just scoot around the side and so that's what david was thinking we were both just like we got to get this done we tired of doing all these u-turns and you know my bike's crapping out we just gotta get done and so david, what time was it then it was probably eight seven eight p.m it was, it was starting to get dark um oh my gosh so david tries to like scoot around the edge of this this uh gate gate and he scoots around the <laughs> the funny thing is he, he could have scooted around the the, the other end which wasn't a cliff <laughs> we found we found that out after all of this anyways he's, he's scooting through and his rear pannier bag is sticking out and it hits oh, the gate no. post, you know, and he wasn't anticipating that. And it kind of like knocked his bike over. And, and then I see him flying down the hill and I'm like, holy shit again. And I'm just like, is he dead? <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, fortunately, that it, this wasn't nearly as bad of a drop. Um, and again, he got him and the bike got stopped by trees. So... At that point, you know, it was late. We we set up camp right there at the gate, like on the gravel road. We didn't even set up our tents. We just kind of like rolled out a roll and just like slept there. And the next morning, <clears throat> we both, I guess I primarily was, was calling these salvage services and towing services and trying to figure, we were both trying to figure out how to get his bike up, up from there. Wait, wait, you said it wasn't as bad of a drop. Why, why didn't you just? pick it up with the paracord again i don't know like it was it, it probably was a worse drop 
I guess. It, it was just less dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it was less oh, dangerous okay. because, like, it wasn't as – he wouldn't have gone down as far. Like, if he continued on that first drop, he could have just – could have been, like, all – Kept tumbling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. but, there, but there was a lot of breaks in this one, but was it also 10 feet or was it further of a drop? It was a little further, yeah. It was like 15-foot drop probably. Oh, so it was deeper. Dude, okay, that's far. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty far, man. And this was, was this was a little bit more up and down, although it wasn't like an endless drop. It, it kind of was, was really steep and then flattened out. Um, anyways, it, it, was, it was near impossible for us to the point where we were just like, we need to find help. So I was getting quotes on like salvaging services and stuff. Um, and David had noticed all this commotion, like with trucks and stuff uh, on a, on a road nearby where we were coming from a certain part, you know, of the park we were in or whatever. So he runs down there and finds this logging operation where they're like all these guys working on cutting down trees and stuff. And he explains our whole situation. And sure enough, he comes back up, up this mountain in the, in the passenger seat of this truck. And I'm just like, Oh, sweet. I was just on the phone with a salvage company. (laughs) And this guy shows up with a nice big ass truck that he can, you know, hook the thing up. And, and, uh, and he was good at this. He clearly, he had done things like this before. He jumps down, he like jumps right down to the motorcycle. He's like, you know, we're trying to explain to him the whole situation. He's just like, oh, yep, I see. And he jumps down and like hooks this chain up to it and like starts doing his thing. And he yanks the, the, the bike up this, this cliff for us. And when we, when we got it most of the way up, I remember he kind of just, he got out of his truck and, and came over to the bike and he was like, oh, it's almost all the way up. And we were trying to like, push it up all the way and he just kind of grabs it by the handlebars and pulls the whole thing up and i just remember being like how does this guy even doing this like he was super strong um anyways he was a savior and he didn't take he didn't even ask for any money or anything we tried to give him money but you know he was just like you know pay it forward and anyways that's how we got out of that situation and then from then on um, we decided to get back on the road because I, I couldn't deal with inclines because of my clutch trouble. I could almost not deal with the paved road with because of that clutch trouble. So I couldn't go beyond like say 50 miles an hour before it would start to slip. And certain certainly any inclines I couldn't do anything on. So we had to divert our destination to Coos Bay, Oregon, rather than Port Orford, which is the the famous ending of the Trans America Trail, is Port Orford. But we had to divert to Coos Bay, which isn't too far. Um, it's on the coast, but we wanted some place that had a, a decent town with like an auto parts store, and possibly uh, you know dealerships for buying a truck because I was still thinking about that. So we went to Port Orford, which is a little bigger town, and um, got a room and then bought a truck and loaded the bikes in the back of the truck, and here I am today. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Chris, for joining us today. We really enjoy having you. Yeah, thanks for having me.
Thank you for joining us on Break the Cycles. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button and join us next time on Break the Cycles.